the Germans. But frankly, who cares? You are listening to the greatest sports show on the planet, The Season Ticket, in association with Inspired to Change Bristol, helping to get your life back on track. You're listening to Jack's Radio. Jack's Radio. Ah, yes. Good morning, everyone. How are we all doing out there? It's that time again. Your sporting weekend starts now. You are listening to Jack's Radio. This is the season ticket. I'm LC, and you just heard the mighty Def Leppard with Let's Get Rocked and Ready to Get Rocked this morning. As ever, are the boys on the bench. We have Kev doing double duty for us, bookending the show, talking Super League and with his ever-popular quiz at the end. we got Dan, we got Ash, Shep will be joining us later, and Morgs will be rounding things off on the sporting front. How are we all doing, lads? We all good? All okay, good. Cheers, Thank you. Excellent stuff, excellent stuff. And by my side, as ever, to look after the boys, make sure they're in check, and all of that good stuff is my co-captain, Lado. You all good, mate? I'm not being funny. That's quite an ass to keep this lot in check. Certainly is. You know, yeah, I have to ask one of the teachers to do that because this lot, they're a rowdy bunch. They need, you know, with all this discipline talk, you know, about students coming back to school and being in the ill discipline, no rubbish. This lot, this is a difficult class to control, honestly. Uh, they're a disgrace. And I can't believe they let us back on for a second show. I know. We must be doing something right here on Jacks. And... It's all about anarchy in the UK, Lado. It's all about anarchy in the UK. Level of anarchy in the UK. Hey, hey! Last week we did well. I think we had about twelve sports with the lunch. I 12, think it sports. was eleven. I think yeah, it was we're eleven. Try, try and beat it this week, then. That's yeah. the plan. Boys. Well, I might have one up my sleeve. Technically not a sport, but we'll get round to that later. But speaking of the sports, we'll cover for the next two hours. What's on the agenda uh, for the show? We've got some rugby league. We've got some rugby union. We've got some Formula One. We've got some snooker. Um, that's stretching the sports story a little bit. Bit of football. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ash is going to give us a full range of American sports. I've got a few other things, a bit of snowboarding and uh, obviously rowing, you know, but um, it's a, a different level of rowing that we're going to talk about. Looking forward to it. It's going to be good. Yeah, superb. It's going to be a great, great show as always. In uh, Dan, our social media manager, um, I know you're a busy, busy boy these days uh, and we can really talk about... Busy. Your exploits on Jack's radio, your other side projects uh, later on in the show. But um, I hope you've been keeping an eye on our socials. I hope I, you, I have been. I've been sending out a few uh, tweets and a few Facebook uh, notes, and yeah, excellent. Don't keep for, things ticking along. Don't forget your roots. Don't forget who you are and all exactly. that. And uh, like with that being said, what are the numbers on the socials? The numbers. Okay, so I'll just make them up at the top of my head because I haven't looked, and I would guess that Twitter is probably about around about 165 now we've moved into the uh, Jack's Radio era. I think uh, Facebook's probably up to about 200 likes and Instagram, I would guess, at about 120 to 130. I'll check that next week and we'll see how close we get. I mean, I mean, this is what we're dealing with. Complete lack of homework, complete lack of preparation, you know. Yeah. Fail to prepare, prepare to fail, Dan. Come on. <laughs> I know. You certainly won't well, be... it, it's all about playing the game of guessing the numbers, you see. It, it, it was in case Kev didn't have a quiz. He certainly you can always rely quiz. on me to have a quiz, and I think we can always rely on you to make up those numbers. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Two stalwarts of the uh, season ticket. He certainly wouldn't be doing that if that was the uh, Lights Out, Let's Go socials. He'd be bang up to date with all of that, wouldn't yeah, he, lads? Be. Yeah, I like, know. Oh, we moved yeah. into second place, haven't we? Yeah, He's that's in it. pole position with his yeah. Lights Out. 
Nice yeah. reference, Lado. Yeah, all over that one. <laughs> we'll look forward to hearing more about that later, Dan. But um, you also provide the food question. What's the food question this week, mate? So the food question is, uh, what's your favourite memory of school meals or maybe a packed lunch that your mum used to pack for you? When you went to school. Okay. Early thoughts on that. We have got a few teachers in amongst the group. Yeah. And uh, I know, you know, school meals, they, they haven't stopped from when we left school because those guys are, you know, working there day in, day out. Any any sort of early ideas? They're damn sight better than when we went to school. They're damn sight better. Yeah. Are they? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It does depend on the school you go to. I'm very lucky where I am right now. So, uh, yeah, I get well fed. I'd agree, I'd agree with Lado on that. I'm with Lado on that one. I concur. Ash, do you often pass your uh, culinary uh, combinations onto your uh, kids? Do you, is that part of your teaching? That, that's cruelty. <laughs> <laughs> they they put up enough with with maths, don't they? With me, so. <laughs> <laughs> they already hated yeah. Dan. Come on. <laughs> no, no, ab- no abacuses with any olives, like you know, being moved on left to right or anything. That's, like an, that. that's an idea. Yeah. he's thinking it. He's <laughs> working it out. There we go. <laughs> Uh, no no i don't i don't throw them in there fair enough (laughs) fair enough we'll round off our always good intros with the tweets of the week and i'll start with this one because i actually have one i'm I'm very you know rare when it comes to the tweets of the week but i did come across this earlier today and it comes from port vale of course the esteemed daryl clark in charge of port vale these days in uh they announced that they have become the only club in the current top four divisions to have beaten all 91 teams from the Premier League to Skybet League 2 in competitive league games. Well, what's even better than that tweet of the week was the first response that I saw to it from SCFC Rossi, which turns out Stoke City fan. I bet you've lost against them all as well. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so history in the making there for Port Vale. The only club to have done that. Um, that's one for you, Morgs. One, one for your back pocket there. Which, you know, you say, Lance, that was actually the same, exactly the same tweet of the week that I had. So there we go. We're uh, bang on the same page right from the start. There we go. That is what, that's what we're all about on the bench. That, that sort of instinct. That, that, that looks like cop- copying of homework to me. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I can allow that in Easter holidays, Lado. It's all right. No, there's, all right. there's a theme here. Mogs, Mogs did dispute my, uh, my very amazing Sergio Aguero start from last week's show. So, you know, I'll say he copied me on this occasion. <laughs> absolutely absolutely that that statistic as well now is is likely to really be the domain of lower league clubs isn't it because with the way things are now you get clubs coming up from the conference that that the top flight teams aren't going to play so yeah yeah that's not going to happen yeah it's, it's, it's quite yeah, an achievement it's quite an achievement and I, I guess i was thinking about it is it a surprise that it's taken this long for a club to to have to have achieved that or or not i said one's thoughts I suppose you think about it, Lance, with the team rotation coming in and out from the conference each year. And so make, it's almost about beating that team that come up, isn't it? So like beating Harrogate tipped Port Vale to that record, didn't it? So yeah. it's almost a game, but it's also got to be a long-standing league team to have been across all the divisions, I guess, or played all the teams in competitive fixtures. So any more, any more tweets? Any more for any more? I've got one. Kev will probably not like this one, but it's not, it's not a dig. So uh, this is actually from the MP, Andy Burnham, and he, he's just come across an astonishing rugby league fact. He says, in the game's 125-year history, not a single player, coach, nor administrator has been knighted. And then finishes off with, don't tell me that the north-south divide is exaggerated. thought it was an interesting one. The number of rugby union players and coaches that have you know, received various honours, not a single one from rugby league care. Thoughts on that? 
Well, it's glaringly obvious, isn't it? You know, it's a, you know, a, a southern based media and uh, a public school based media as well. But it's it's it is fairly obvious. I do think that Graham West might be knighted, but it wasn't for his efforts in rugby league. I think it was okay. something else. And uh, so, yeah, he was a, a coach. But I don't think it was for his rugby league efforts. So I, yeah, I, yeah, it's it's true, and it's shocking, really, just shocking. I'm surely somebody like Kevin Sinfield for what he's done for charity the last year or so is going to be in with a shout. Yeah. Well, think about his services, the charity to the game as well. I mean, it's you know, there's so much there with a with a player like that. But there's other ones as well, isn't it? Surely, surely. So. Uh, Any more? Yeah. Any more tweets? And I have a quick one. Um, so if you um, would have listened to my F1 show earlier in the week, you'd have heard that... Another plug. Calls, yeah, what? another Dan, plug. Dan, Dan, what, Dan, what's it called, mate? It's called the uh, Lights Out Let's Go F1 show. And uh, where can they find it? You can find it 7 to 8 p.m. on a Wednesday night on Jack's Radio. Oh, beautiful. Carry yeah. on with your tweet. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, it was um, about a driver called Nikita Mazapin, or uh, Mazaspin, as he's been called on social media. <laughs> who has just had an awful start to his career. Um, and someone tweeted uh, that the Haas team have updated uh, their car uh, for Mazepin's safety. And there's a picture of a, of a Formula One car with stabilisers on it. And there you go. That's, that's, that's pretty much what he needs. And they, you know, there we go. He's, he's an awful driver. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, lads. Uh, looking forward to hearing uh, what you've like found over the last seven days in the world of sport. Uh, Kev is going to be opening up the batting in just a few moments, but we're going to have some of this from the Cribs. Here is Running Into You. You are listening to the greatest sports show on the planet, The Season Ticket, in association with Inspired to Change Bristol, helping to get your life back on track. Our esteemed normal opener can't be with us this week. Good morning, Loey. Hope you're well. Um, And Kev is going to take your place instead. So, Kev, good morning. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm slipping into his socks again. Yeah, how, how are they feeling? Oh, a bit sweaty, to be honest. With you, but, you know, we'll, we'll move on from there. Lowy. Taunton, Taunton, remember? Yeah. Lowy. Kev, I just want to say, mate, um, congratulations on uh, your debut show, the uh, Continental Rock Fest last week. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. It was superb. Oh, thanks, mate. That's yeah. really kind. It was really good. Really good. Yeah. I really, good. Really, good. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I got, uh, got a few more surprises lined up, found a few surprising tracks, and. Uh, Yes, it's really interesting to have a look around the some places people don't normally go to for their music. Yeah, that's it. So, like, just just a quick uh, one liner about it. What 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 is the what is the premise of the show? Uh, well, as, as I said before, I think somebody must have listened to us before and noticed that I play songs that maybe people haven't heard of, and just asked if I fancy doing a show about uh, music from the European continent. So. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of Scandi rock. Obviously, I'm a big fan of yeah. Scandinavia, and I've I've, got, I've gone a bit further afield as well, and found some some. Uh, I've got a, a, a cracking cover lined up, not for this week's show, but the next one, uh, by an Italian goth metal band of a, a famous dance track. So that one's down the line. So yeah, it's all good fun. Yeah, brilliant. And I did say last week it's the perfect follow up to the Rockdown, and that was um, I say it, it really, really is. I've really enjoyed listening to it. Um, uh, seeing as Dan's given about 35 plugs for his show already in the space of about 25 minutes, do you want to give a plug for your show, mate? Yeah, okay. It's Kev's Continental Rockdown. Uh, you can listen to it at uh, 11 o'clock on uh, Friday night, and it's repeated at 11 o'clock on the Monday night. Uh, Kev, you're going to uh, talk a bit of rugby league uh, for yeah. us this morning. Been a What's while been going since on? I've been able to have a proper chat about it because... Uh, 
it's been sort of off the scene for a little while, but they're, they're really back into the swing of things now. We've had two full rounds of the championship. And as with the first week, we I made the little point that everything was really close and the, 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 the teams that had come up had, had, had done quite well to stick with the games. This week, a bit of class told, and you had some big wins for the bigger clubs. So uh, now, after two rounds, there's four teams that have won both games, and it's St. Helens, Hull, Wigan, and Castleford. And really, they're the four teams you'd expect. It's the same old, same old teams, isn't it? The ones you'd yeah, expect yeah. up there, and, yeah. And, and this week... Uh, the difference being Castleford because Castleford beat Leeds and that's always a big deal because and, 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 and Leeds would usually be up there as well. But uh, Wigan thumped Wakefield 34-6. Uh, Hull thumped Salford 35-4. And Saints kept Hull KR scoreless. They went 25-0. So that it's a little bit um, ominous for some of the smaller clubs that this early on in the season, you're getting the big wins there. Although it could just be a case of uh, getting getting finding their feet, but personally, Kev, my point of view, Cass have been great, you know. Kev, as a, as a big advocate for rugby league, I know you're passionate about it, and, and obviously a supporter, you, you support your club, but you you big big advocate for the success of rugby league. Does that worry you a little bit? Do you you see those teams that low down early on? I know it's early days, but you know. Could that gap open up and could it become less of a spectacle? Does that worry well, you now? It may be, maybe, but then as you stop and think about it, how many clubs are really likely to win the Premier League? How many clubs are really challenging in, in the rugby union? You know, it's, there, there is an elite set in, in just about every sport, isn't there? There's it's four. actually quite, actually, rugby union is the most open season we've had for a long time with Saracens out of it. It's actually been yeah. as open as it's ever been. Um, yeah, so to answer your question, I do think it, you know it has always sort of been the case, and it has survived. So you do you do worry about it a little bit, but and and with the way things have been with the uh, the, the COVID situation and they sort of reining in the the international expansion side of things, I think they are going to concentrate on just trying to keep things tight for a, for a year or so, really, before they start trying to expand again. You know, which is probably sensible. Yeah. So they will rely on the the. The, the strongholds, you know, your Wiggins and Helens and Cass Leeds, places like that. Uh, we've also had, the, they've announced the uh, 35 man England squad for the, the international fixtures to come ahead. There's been a, a few surprises in there. Uh, personally, I'm really pleased to see that they, they finally picked Paul McShane, who's the reigning man of steel. Again, Castleford player, hooker, absolutely fantastic player, but always seemed to get overlooked at international level. Uh, he gets a chance to to show his wares. Um, there's been a few surprise omissions. Gareth Widdop, who has recently come back from Australia to play for Warrington, and he's been a sort of shoe in for the national side for a long time. He's not been selected. Jake Truman and Jake Connor both had fantastic ends to last season and starts to this season. But uh, Sean Wayne has picked quite a few Australian-based players. So the likes of George Williams at Canberra, he's he's sort of keeping those halfbacks out of the side. Uh, and James Roby at 35 gets a call up, you know, it's, it's, he's a fantastic player again. But if we're still calling up 35-year-olds, you know, I think the Australians would be a bit more ruthless with their squads than we are. And they, they, they seem to have a conveyor belt of talent to, to move people on and, and, and not have to call up people of that age, really. Kev, can, can I put you back to your first piece about Paul McShane from Castleford being called yeah. up, and, and you've you've wondered why it hasn't happened soon. Obviously, when the man when the man is still, your your thoughts on as to why he hasn't been called up sooner? Well, really, because it's one of the few positions where we have been incredibly blessed 
uh, the likes of Roby can play there. And um, there's uh, Daryl Clark as well, who was initially with Castlewood, then went to Warrington. He, he won Man of Steel a few years ago. He's a terrific player as well. So it, it really is that. But McShane has really stepped up a level the last sort of 18 months. And he's he's very versatile as well. He's good with he's good with his boot. He's got good skills, and he's a real busybody as well. He's he's really stood out. Right. Often after being man of steel, people can have a bit of a struggle the following season. He's been man of the match the two games they played, so you know it, he's he's really not too, impressed. Not too bad, then. not too bad. No, and the biggest news in Super League of all for me, we spoke again last week briefly about the fact that a couple of coaches were leaving at the end of this year. They'd already announced it. And that Daryl Powell had announced that after eight years he's going to be leaving Castleford. Well, lo and behold, he's going to Warrington. Well, yeah, a little bit ouch. I mean, I think I can see the logic from his point of view. He, as a coach, he always wants to make himself better. He's had eight years of you know pretty much non-stop success above what Castleford should really expect. And Warrington, they will regard themselves, rightly or wrongly, as potentially a bigger club. And they have not really achieved in the last sort of 10, 15 years. It's a little bit to me, I was trying to think of a footballing analogy. It's a little bit like if if David Moyes gets West Ham to into the Champions League and then leaves for Wolves or somewhere like that. You know, it seems like a sideways step to me. And yeah, I yeah. sort of thought he'd be going to, to the NRL to test himself. But I, I imagine Warrington can pay him more money than we can as well. So good luck to him. And the way they've started this season, it hasn't affected them knowing that he's going. So if he can have what you know one really fantastic season and go out in a blaze of glory, all the better for him, really. How do you think that's going to be received by the fans? I, he can do no wrong. You know, right. he, okay. It's one of those rare sort of managerial positions, coaching positions in sport, where he that he would have to do something extremely bad for anybody in Castleford to say a word against him. He's he's a Castleford lad. You know, he 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 came back to the the, the club having been at Leeds and. He, we were really in the doldrums when he came in and he, he's, he's made them into one of the top four sides. There's, there's, you can't question that. And he, he, he's done it spending less money than a lot of the other clubs have. He's he f- helped to foster a real, real family sense of the club. Because, you know, He's such a lovely bloke as well. He walks across the pitch before every game and goes and stands in the gantry and he, he just chats with everybody as he's going and everybody loves him, which is, I know things have been good and that helps. But uh, yeah, he, he. I think the fans will appreciate it. The problem will be for whoever comes in. Yeah. And uh, there's no real sort of say on who that's going to be at the moment. They, I don't think, they, they don't usually look to uh, um, employ from within. So, they, you know, they, it's going to be a big decision to be made at the end of this season. Hey, nice, Kev. Nice one, Kev. And uh, you'll be joining us a bit later, of course, the Quizmaster. Uh, the yeah, lads... already. The lads didn't really put up a good showing last week. What, what, I was I, so embarrassed. Hang on, hang awesome. on a bit. Hang on. Me, me and Ash were all right. <laughs> Don't speak for all of us. Yeah, yeah. We, we were right, Lado. Uh, customary oh. two points. <laughs> My yeah, customary two points. And I wanted to give someone else a chance last week. That's... Well, you did. <laughs> That's we're it. kind like that, Kev. We're kind like that. And um, with that being said, uh, what, what sort of level is the quiz this week, Kev? You know, I think I, I, I have had to notch it down a bit because I just, you know, I, I obviously over expected from them. Uh, okay. You know, that classic first day of term back thing, you know, and, yeah. and you, 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 I'm not a teacher myself, but I, perhaps I was a bit too proud of them and, and set it too high. Well, so we could have a potential free for all then later on. Yeah. Morgs might even answer. 
What, what do you mean we could have a potential free-for-all? Oh, dear. You're bringing the standards down, Kev. Don't do it. <laughs> don't, don't go to the lowest common denominator. Aim for the top. Me and Ash were there. And, um, and Kev, um, going back to the days of, uh, of school, school meals... Right then. What's the answer well, to my I, Dan's when question? I, when, I, when Dan mentioned this question, my, my heart sank a little bit, to be honest with you, because I reckon I'm probably the only one on the bench that went to boarding school. So obviously, after a hard day's Quidditch, it was uh, straight on the butter beer. It, no, none of that happened. <laughs> <laughs> my, my school, and I know that Ash is going to absolutely hate this, we used to do big metal jugs of custard on the table if we had a pudding uh, at tea. And I, I could honestly, I could drink the whole jug. I know you wouldn't think so to look at me now, but I, I, could, I could have drunk that whole jug of custard. Lovely stuff. Uh, Ash is fuming. Skin on it and everything. Oh, mm, that's disgusting. We... Vile. <laughs> Before Ash is repulsed anymore, we'll move on to the tune. And uh, what have you chosen for us, Kev? You, you had an hour of bangers on Friday night. And what are you giving us for the, uh, for the show today? I come home. So because now that, now that I, I've got a program about European music, I've got a, a British band. Now this is from Lincolnshire. So I've picked King King with Dance Together. You are listening to the greatest sports show on the planet, The Season Ticket, in association with Inspired to Change Bristol, helping to get your life back on track. King, King on The Season Ticket. That was a song called Dance Together, chosen by Kev, Quizmaster Kev. He'll be back later. Good tune, that. Enjoyed that. And moving on from the Continental Rock Fest side project leader to the lights out, let's go, side project leader, and Dan, uh, a big congratulations go out to you too. Your first ever show on Jack's Radio is now under your belt. Amazing stuff. Uh, people who Thank are you. doing the early drinking game of mentions of Lights Out, Let's Go are going to be absolutely wasted by the end of this segment because we've already me- I've already <laughs> mentioned it twice now. But um, brilliant stuff, mate. How, how did the first one go, mate? Uh, it went fantastic. I mean... Uh, Adam and Rich, who were on the show with me, were great as always. They're they're, they're great counterparts on the on on the on the show, and um, yeah, it's it's, it's uh, another little plug here. The seventeenth plug. It's, it's on between seven and eight on uh, Wednesdays on Jack's Radio. <laughs> we're, we're gonna keep doing it. We're gonna keep doing it until <laughs> we're gonna make it the most highly listened show on the station. I'm sure. Exactly. But yeah, I've, that being I've said, ch- I've tuned out. I've completely tuned out. <laughs> oh, gone. Lado's gone. God, help us. <laughs> Uh, but it's a comp- comprehensive roundup of F1, bit of rock music, the first ever F1 slash rock show, probably in existence. Exactly. Um, exactly. And F1 is your field of expertise. And I guess that's what we're going to be talking about now. Yes, it is. It is. So little bits of uh, news, because obviously we didn't have a race uh, last week. Um, so the Melbourne uh, circuit that I read about this week, it's normally the, the season opener. And normally, um, and Ladder's going to laugh at this because uh Normally, it's it's a bit of a boring race, and F one normally isn't boring. But Ladder will say it is boring. Um, biting it's... my tongue, I'm biting my tongue. <laughs> um, so it's actually quite hard to overtake um, at the Melbourne circuit. It's a it's a it's a tight um, enclosed street circuit. It is quite difficult. Um, but they've they're going through a, a revamp uh, to its layout for uh, for the first time since uh, it's been. Uh, it's been on it's been on the on the calendar for about twenty odd years now, um, and it's what they're doing is I I really like it. Um, so they're removing one of the chicanes, which is turns nine and ten. They're widening a few corners so you can get a few different lines through through the corners. And I think what they're doing is going to really help um, overtaking at the track. Um, and to me, 
it shows just what Liberty Media, who who are the rights holders for Formula One now, are doing with the sport. Now that they've got, um, now that they've taken it over from from Bernie Ecclestone. I mean, Eccleston was good for the sport, making it into a huge brand across the globe. But Liberty Media now are listening to the fans and really, really looking to make it a spectacle. Um, and you know, they're they're listening to the fans and doing things like the the, the changes they want to do at the Melbourne circuit. Is it's just they're doing great stuff. So uh, yeah, more more to come on that. Really, now, this is great. This is a sporting equivalent of using a different length blade on the cutting the grass, isn't it? On the pitch. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. No, it doesn't make sense to not be able to overtake. I think otherwise, it's all down to qualifying, isn't it? And then the excitement is surely the yeah, the two, the two drivers few, fighting it out. Yeah, the, the, there are a few tracks of that. I mean, Monaco is obviously um, the worst one for that. But Monaco is more about the the driver against the track because um, you know if you lapse in concentration for one second, you hit the wall. You know, you're at, you're at the race. Melbourne isn't quite like that. But um, yeah, it, has, it hasn't got great uh, overtaking. So anything that they do to improve the show, you know, I, I'm all for it. Which, which you, you, could, you could argue Monaco because of its just uniqueness. It will always, yeah. it always has a part of the sport because it is just so unique what, what, what you're watching. It's his her- it's you know it's the sports heritage and you know it's it's a real jewel in the crown event you know and the whole show that goes with it and there's you know yeah it, yeah it, it, it's a very different beast Monaco but um yeah Liberty Media are, are, are doing some great things in the sport now that they've been there for about three four years now which is good it seems that Red Bull still have the fastest car um the chat all about this so there's, I've seen a few people uh, analysing uh, the last race and things. And apparently the track at Bahrain doesn't really suit the Red Bull car. So they were still the fastest car at that track, even though it didn't suit them. It maybe suited uh, Mercedes a bit more. So actually, uh, if we go to a track where Red Bull are fast at, you know, they, they they could be a real a real handful for the rest of the teams. But it all depends how much uh, Mercedes are coming back and understanding their car and then unlocking the pace. So again, it's going to be really exciting. Um, <clears throat> so... A couple of things I've been going on about recently. So uh, I've gone on about uh, F1 becoming sort of team franchises um, and the budget cap. I, and I wanted to look into it a little bit more, actually, because I wasn't quite sure what it really meant myself. Um, so, you know, people who aren't really into the sport aren't really going to know. So I've got, got a bit of information and it's quite interesting. And again, this is all good stuff that Liberty Media are doing. So the, so the team franchise idea, um, basically what they're doing is a bit like NFL. They're making it a protected league. So what what they're doing is they're gonna they're looking after the the ten teams that are in the sport, and they're gonna make sure that those teams are profitable. So they've restructured all the prize money uh, all the way down the grid, um, and making sure that this the the prize money all the way down is gonna help teams survive. So the teams at, at the bottom historically probably ended up going out of the sport because they're just not making any money. But now they're just they're gonna help those ten teams to exist for the long term well um, what is that what sorts of thing are they going to do then because clearly there's this prize i guess prize money for you know coming first and second and so forth so how is that gonna you know, is it going to be seriously balanced so that you can roll in last and still get prize money or yeah so, so, so there will be prize money all the way down the grid so yes the, there will be prize money for coming last um which sounds a bit strange but you know uh, for those 10 teams but what they're also doing is so that prize money is always going to be shared amongst those 10 teams. 
for any new team to come in the sport would obviously take away some of that money. Um, but what they've done now is a, t- a new team coming into the sport has to pay two hundred million to enter the sport, and that money will be shared out amongst the existing ten teams to compensate for the prize money that they will lose out on. Right. So it's kind of a barrier to entry as such. So it's protecting those teams in existence. But it's also, if a team does come in and spend that sort of money, you know they're a serious team and they're actually only going to increase the spectacle of, of, of the sport. So they're kind of protecting the sport there. So, you know, previously you had teams like Caterham and HRT came into the sport 10 years ago. They just trundled around the back of the grid for a couple of seasons and then went out. And, it, and it, they did nothing for the sport. But I think they're making sure that teams who come in will be serious contenders. Um, well, and why do they do that? What, what, teams. what do they get out of it? Pure sponsorship? Because if you turn around at the back, what's the reason behind that? I think initially when they came in, there were promises of cost caps that were going to come in that didn't come in, even though it's coming in now. So when they came into the sport, they were going to spend a couple of years at the back and then they were hoping for this cost cap to, to help to them to be more competitive. But actually right. it, didn't, it didn't come about and... Th- they were done over a little bit by by um, Eccleston and, and the FIA, but sort of 10, 15 years ago. Um, but um, yeah, so so I think that's really good. Um, you know, their their plan is for 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 the ten teams in existence now is turning them into a viable business. So actually, if somebody does want to enter the sport and and pay that two hundred million, actually they know that they're entering a sport where they can become a viable business and actually turn a profit. Which yeah. I think is a real change in in the sport from 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 previously, um, and that in its way will then make teams want to stick around longer. So teams like Red Bull um, have always, you've always thought, well, one day they could just walk away from the sport, and they probably still can. But actually, if they're making a profit, you know, why would they want to walk away from from the sport? You know, so so it, it's keeping those teams there, which is really good. And in terms of the budget cap, um, so the teams will now operate um, under a 145 million per season budget cap. This is a good thing for the sport, I think, again. It isn't the magic bullet where you will suddenly see all teams on a level playing field, which is why teams like Mercedes and Ferrari actually were able to agree this uh, coming in. Um, So it does exclude drivers' salaries and it excludes the three highest paying employees in any of the teams but other than that everything has to then come with you know development and all the, what they're doing in testing and all sorts has to come in under 145 million now red bull ferrari and merck are the only teams who are probably going to have to trim their spending down to reach this cap the other teams are all under it anyway now they're not going to magically increase their spending to get up there immediately so you're still going to have red bull merc ferrari probably at the top of the grid but what they're doing with in terms of turning the business profitable with this sort of um franchise system as well is in several years time you will get a closing gap of all the teams and there will be more of a kind of equal spending power and hopefully will close up the grid and 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 promote uh, closer racing and uh all the teams to be more competitive. Um, again, I think it's great stuff what Liberty Media are doing, really. I'm really, really impressed by what they're doing. And that can only be a good thing for the sport. I don't imagine Mercedes are overly keen on it. I guess if, if you're just dominating the sport with people who have lost interest in because it's not competitive, it's not good for them either. So it's, it's kind of a, a... 
win-win-lose-lose situation, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, I mean, you know, people like Ferrari and, and Merck are pretty much always going to be there or thereabouts. Um, you're right, it does promote sort of, you know, closer racing and, and more interest in the sport, which gets their name out to more people. You know, when, you know, it, there is direct um, relationship with when Mercedes or Ferrari win on a Sunday, they sell more cars the next week. Yeah. You know, so, so if more people are watching the sport, etc., you know, it, it's going to be good for their for their road car business and stuff as well. Cool. Well, I've not bought my Ferrari yet, Dan, but you know, yeah, soon. Well, you, you're going to buy an Aston Martin, aren't you? Well, well that's that'll definitely be my first choice. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Okay, so a, a, a quick bit of a snooker uh, news. So we got the World Championships coming up on 17th of April. Um, apparently, I heard that they're going to be trial or they're looking to trial COVID passports. Uh, for the upcoming championships, for crowds to be at the uh, at the matches, which is going to be interesting. So I don't quite know how that's going to work yet. It was something that that I saw yesterday. Um, but um, yeah, so 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 they're looking to trial sort of COVID passports to help the rest of sport and see how it runs, see how it works, and see if they can uh, you know start getting bigger crowds into sporting events. I have to say, I'd be surprised if they did that with snooker being this inside. I would have thought they had tried that with an outside sport. Yeah, so I I don't I, I don't quite know how it's going to work, but apparently that, that that's what they're looking to do. So yeah. uh, okay, yeah, watch, sure. watch your space. Yeah, watch your space. Watch your space. Um, and then you know I was talking a while ago about Stephen Hendry making his comeback. Um, so he because he, he he hasn't got a ranking in the World Championships, he doesn't automatically qualify for the World Championships. He beat Jimmy White in a uh, World Championship qualifier this week. Um, he's got three more matches to win before he actually qualifies, so he might he might not qualify for this world championship. But it's good to see him kickstarting his 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 career back. Um, I mean, when he quit the sport, um, he actually quit because he didn't enjoy losing. I mean, you know, being at the, at the top of the game for so long as you are, it must be really hard to take when you when you start losing, you know, and things like that. It must be hard to to, to sort of handle that. So it, I think it's good now that. Him, Hendry coming back. I don't think he's looking that he's gonna. He thinks he's gonna dominate the sport again and, and win everything. So actually, he's playing for the love for his love of snooker, and it's always good to see a sportsman enjoying their sport. So it'd be quite nice to see Hendry just enjoying himself back on the circuit and hopefully win a win a few games. Well, I imagine he's coming back on his terms, isn't he? When you're at the top, you know that's that. Yeah, it's that separation that needs to change from being the dominant one. He's had that time away. Now he's coming back, like you say, because he wants to enjoy it and, and probably had time to, to process it. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I, I think it was all about that processing that he isn't the top of the top of the sport anymore and dealing with 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 losing, I suppose. In a way. But I, I imagine his class will probably show through at, at some point. So yeah, let's hope so. It'd be fun. It'd be fun. Absolutely. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, no worries. Great stuff. And if you loved the sound of that, uh, you're going to love Wednesday nights because not only. Do you get lights out? Let's go at seven. Is that another plug? Beautiful. It is another plug. It's yeah, not as smooth as you, but like this is my attempt at it. But you not only do you get that uh, between seven and eight o'clock, but you get the repeat of the season ticket between eight and ten, which uh, it all adds up to a double Dan Wednesday. Exactly, it is double Dan Wednesday. What more could you want? And. uh, Ladies, if this was a TV show, you'd be loving this because Dan's in a Barcelona shirt and he's looking like a prime Gerard Piquet. Like, honestly, <laughs> he is looking oh, fabulous. But moving on, food question. What are we going with on the uh, school meals front, Dan? 
So I used to love at, at break time. Uh, the the dinner ladies had this idea um, that they would sell these little um, uh, small pizzas, sort of hand sized pizzas, and it was dripping in grease and cheese and tomato. Um, and we used to line up at the tuck shop, buy these, buy a bread roll, and just put the pizza inside a bread roll and eat that. And it was just carb on carb, but it was it was it was something to behold. It was amazing. Now, I vaguely remember that, Dan, because we went to the same school. I vaguely yes, remember yes, that. So, yeah. Yeah, it's Double carbs. Double down and double carbs. <laughs> double down and double carbs. Because <laughs> you want so good. You took the words right out of my mouth, guys. That's it. Like We, we all had it on our minds, didn't we? We all had it on our we all had it on our minds. In Dan's tune this week, um, he's gone with a bit of three doors down. Probably their most standout tune. This is Kryptonite. Good choice, Dan. You are listening to the greatest sports show on the planet. The Season Ticket, in association with Inspired to Change Bristol. Helping to get your life back on track. Big tune that. Big, big tune. Three doors down. Kryptonite. You're listening to The Season Ticket on Jack's Radio. And that was picked by... Dan Wednesday night and we're moving on from that to our roundup of all things stateside with Ash. Hello mate, how you doing? Hello mate, how are you? How's it going? Yeah man, I am all good. Uh first week of Easter break for you, is it? Yeah, first week done. Yeah, yeah. Still still a week to go, so yeah. that's good. How's it been so far so good? Yeah, good, good. Been able to uh, indulge myself in a, a little bit more of my pastimes, which is always good, isn't it? Yeah, uh, definitely. A little bit more downtime, which is nice. Yeah, that's it. And uh, loads of uh, downtime, of course, to catch up on all things in the ever-busy world of the sports that go on uh, in the States. And uh, where are we going to be starting this week? We're going to start with the show, what uh, what affectionately people refer to as, as MLB, the show. Um, opening weekend last weekend, which was fantastic. Um, obviously, last year we had a 60-game season affected massively by COVID and COVID protocols. Um, but other than a few tweaks here and there with, uh, with spring training, it looks like we're going to be full, full steam ahead for a full 162-game regular season this year, which, which the sport needs. It's... Uh, it struggled over the last couple of years in terms of um, crowds, TV viewing figures. Um, absolutely bizarre to see a crowd of 38,000 watching the Texas Rangers. I don't know if any any guys have seen any of the, the footage of that. Totally bonkers I in a full stadium. I think I caught a picture. I don't know if it was you that retweeted it or sent it to a chat, but... Matt. Quite disconcerting. 38,000 and the, the only major changes that uh, that they had structurally. There were huge queues, really organised queues getting people in, into the stadium. Um, and you had to have a mask on at all time unless uh, eating or drinking. And that was it. Um, other stadiums have had sort of uh, 10%, 25%. I, I guess we're just going to have to see how that goes. Um, the, the, the big story really was the, the Nationals and the Mets series got postponed. There was due to be a free game opening series, which... Obviously, um, as you can see, that it's not good on the radio. But as a Mets fan, it was disappointing that opening day was was postponed. Um, I think eleven members of the Nationals set up t- uh, tested positive for for COVID. So putting the protocols in place, they had to do the right thing and and sat that one off. And Washington finally got their season underway on Tuesday with a six five home win over the Braves. Um, but they had I think eleven players listed as inactive, so they they had to scrabble around to get a. A team they signed up a few players um literally on on the day of the game um and quite impressive that they won which which was great 
Um, probably the defining image of, of opening day was Miggy Cabrera um, hitting the first home run of the season. Uh, that, that might not mean a lot to, to many people, but um, Miggy's probably been one of the, the big names, the big faces of the sport for the last, uh, I don't know, 18, 20 years. Um, Going to be 38 coming up. He hit the first home run of the season. It's the 488th of his career. Um, it's 350th for Detroit. So it was a big one for him. He's, he's, he's dropped like an absolute bomb the last three years from, from a guy who would consistently hit sort of 45, 50 home runs a season. I think over the last four years, he's hit sort of 12, 15, 8. Um, so it was nice to, to see that. And the best thing about it was it was, I think I shared it on the socials as well, chucking it down with snow in Detroit. And uh, Cabrera, let, let's just say he's not in the um, finest of, of fitness now. He's a designated hitter. He, he doesn't field anymore. Um, hit the home run. Loads of snow flowing down. He didn't realise it had gone for a home run. So he sprinted, and I use that term loosely, into <laughs> second second base and slid in until the, until the umpire told him that he'd hit a home run, then got up and jogged around. The best thing about that, he is the first player in 151 years of uh, professional baseball to slide in at second base despite hitting a home run. And he only did it because he didn't realise he'd hit a home run. So I, I love the fact that even now, 151 years later, there's still firsts and records being broken, which is just absolutely fantastic. Um, arguably not the biggest news story, though, in baseball over the last week. Um, the All-Star game has been moved. Rob Manford, the, the commissioner, has pulled the game out of, uh, of Georgia due to take place sort of July time this year, halfway through the season. There's been a new voting legislation passed there, which effectively um, reduces time, I think, trying to get my head around it for absentee ballots. Um, it gives more control to Republicans um, and the legislator that they've got there. And I think they expect it to disproportionately affect black voters. Um, and there's been a lot of pressure um, mounting on the league itself to either say something or do something. Players have started to make whispers about boycotting the All-Star game, which which would not be a good look for MLB itself in, in its season back, so to speak. Um, sponsors had made noises that they didn't want to be involved with it. Um, and, and Rob Manford, the commissioner, spoke to a couple of owners, did, didn't, didn't controversially, didn't hold a, an owner's meeting, briefly touched with the Players Association, but he went off on his own because he felt pretty strongly about the um, about the situation and they pulled the game. As of yet, the, the new venue hasn't been announced, but it's looking highly likely that it's going to be Coors Field up in, um, up in Colorado, so the Rockies' home stadium. Um, MLB's got a, a storied history with politics. They don't like to get too involved. They, they do like to keep things separate from the sort of sporting side of things, but... Um, I think they've done the right thing here, and it's been warmly received as well. Um, I think I think once. it's a great show, Ash. This this is really good for MLB. I think they've they, they I mean, especially in the, the climate that the we're in as a world now, and actually the awareness which people have to wake up and, and, and actually deal with. And fair play for MLB. But I know you said they don't usually take that sort of stance, but I think that's the right thing. Certain news, certain media outlets are trying to claim, you know, almost attach blame and saying they've gone elsewhere. It's got the same voting rights, which they were quickly put down by the White House with, with regards to, to that. So that was on the news recently. But um, no, fair play to that, that, That's what you want to hear. Yeah, they've, they've been accused in the past of sort of stagnating and, and not making big decisions. Um, 
particularly around um sort of things like 9 11 and, and those sorts those sorts of things sort of 20 years ago so it's really good to see some strong leadership from from manford there um and kind of following on with that theme um it's not, it's, it's the lebron james story which i found really really interesting um Le- lebron james and and uh, investment capital uh, business called red bird have invested circa 750 million dollars into Fenway Sports Group. Now that's that's the sports group that owns the Red Sox and Liverpool. Um, and it's a really interesting partnership that they're they're getting into. Um, obviously I, I would say this probably is going to try and benefit both um, financially in terms of the marketing power. I, I would guess more US-based sports fans know about Liverpool than British-based football fans would be able to tell you about the Red Sox. Um, I think beyond saying that the Red Sox play at Fenway, that they, they probably wouldn't know too much and that John Henry owned them first. Um, so I think commercially it's going to be massive. LeBron James is, is doing this with a, with a couple of business partners of his. And, and the really, really interesting thing is the Red Sox have, again, and I'm touching on, on the racing element here, the Red Sox have a pretty tarnished history when it comes to their tackling of integration. They were the last baseball team to integrate um, 12 years after Jackie Robinson, and I know we've spoken spoken about him in the past. Yeah, yeah. Um, they were the last last team to integrate um, after Robinson made his debut. Um, the 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 owner of the Red Sox, uh, a gentleman by the name of Yorkie, was was overtly and openly racist and didn't mind who knew it. So as a as a franchise to have LeBron James as a prominent face as an owner, again is another move to write some of the the storied past there. And and John Henry, the owner of FSG, has. Um, has moved to they disassociated themselves with the previous owner who was there for 44 years big move for liverpool financially because they want to increase anfield to 61,000 big news and, and a big move um just in a historical context as well um so it's massive really really big yeah thanks Austin. that that is massive news and i think uh, thanks for sharing that with us because you don't necessarily get that in this in this country this sort of news this is why i love listening to everything about the state size that you, you always give us every week I, i'd urge anybody if, if you get sort of five or ten minutes just to read a little bit about the the red sox history um and what john henry and fsg have, have tried to do to put right some of the social injustices of of the sort of the historical context of that ownership it's, it's a really interesting story to to just try and understand the political landscape of of, of the states at that time Moving on to probably the, the the last sort of bit I really want to talk about tonight, um, and that's uh, Sam Darnold, who's been traded from the Jets. Um, he's gone to the Panthers for three picks, uh, a, 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 you know, a sixth this year, which I think is about 226th overall, a second and a sixth next year. You could probably argue that it's good for both teams. Um the, the Panthers have, have kind of been a victim of circumstance with with some of the draft pick trading that's gone on above them, um, and, and they needed to to make a move. Arguably, they, they've openly wanted to to move on from Teddy Bridgewater, who who, who started for them last year. Um, Darnold, I think, talking from my Jets uh, bias, um, has been badly let down 
by, by the coaching and um, people around him. He, he was drafted at third, third place. He's got it all. He's got everything. Um, he's made errors. Um, he, he, you know, famously struggled against uh, the Patriots back in 2019 when he came off a, a, and said he was seeing ghosts when Tom Brady was just lighting bombs up left, right and centre. Um, and there are flaws to his game. His, his footwork has deteriorated badly over the last couple of years. Um, but when you draft a quarterback that high, I think you've got to try and give them all the tools that you can. And the Jets let him down with arguably the worst the worst head coach in the last 10 years in in football. As somebody who has invested in two Sam Darnold jerseys at a cost. I'm just going to say... I, I'm, <laughs> I'm sad to see him move on, but but also actually, it's I'm hoping he goes on and he absolutely smashes it. It'd be it'd be brilliant to see him show his potential. I know Kev wanted to jump in. Ash, it's not a trade; it's a rescue. It's a rescue for him. It is yeah. a big rescue. I, I I agree, mate. And poor boy's been floundering there, and it's not his fault. Absolutely, he's, he's had no protection. Um, the the O line's been horrific. He's had no targets, and actually, the the video that came out, I think, on his Instagram on on sort of Tuesday, Wednesday in the week, showed him, I've not seen him that happy, to look, to arrive at his family home, walking in the door, dancing, people playing music. Um, he's a good kid. He's got a good heart. He's not one that's been traded away and Jets fans are angry about, genuinely, the the, the mood is they want him to do really well and they're pleased that he's away. As a Jets fan, though, what, how do you feel about the future? Have they got the trades that they need to build? the Because cl- they, they've got to build from the bottom, haven't they? Let's face it. So they've just got rid of who, someone who you, you clearly rate. Um, how does that look for the future for the, for the Jets? Yeah, they're, they're clearly going to take uh, Wilson now at number two. Um, again, he's, he's got all the talent in the world. There's question marks over his attitude. Um there's a level of arrogance that's been levelled at him, but I guess you need a level of arrogance to succeed, don't you, at the highest level? Jets have got 21 picks in the next two years, including four first-rounders. But it's like anything. Those those picks are only any good if you if you strike gold on them, aren't they? Finished with the second-worst record. Um, I mean, I've been following them for about seven years now, and they have been dreadful, and the draft picks have been dreadful. A lot of pressure on Joe Douglas, the, the GM. You could argue that Beckton's the only real hit he's had in, in the, the, the time he's been there as, uh, as GM. But the new head coach, Robert Sala, comes in. Um, he's got a fresh slate and he is going to have his own quarterback um, for the start of the season in September. I'm excited. I think you've got to be, haven't you? New quarterback, yeah. new coach, 21 picks in the next two years. It can't get any worse, so... It's, it's a start of what needs to be a, a big building process. But like I say, as a fan, you you can be excited because you've not really had much to be excited about over no. the last few years. Have you? And I won't be buying it. I won't be buying any more current player jerseys. That's that's something I've learned. <laughs> I've learned that mistake. What wise decision? Wise decision. Absolutely. Thanks. That's that's absolutely brilliant. Great roundup as ever, mate. And uh, school meals, I guess. Uh, yeah, something that's a little bit closer to home. Uh, more than most of us on the bench, but um, where where would you uh, where would your memories lie, or you know, current ones if yeah, you still do them now? I I never really had school meals when I was at school, and and uh, what I used to have is, and I still eat it now. Is mum used to make me like a, a ham sandwich at lunch, and I I still have my crisp sandwich. I used to always have a crisp sandwich, and even now at sort of nearly thirty eight years old, I still have a crisp sandwich. Sometimes I chuck it in a in a tortilla wrap. It might be the odd olive that slips in. <laughs> 
Um, but I, I would argue probably the crisp sandwich is the big memory. But I do I do go on ski trips as well every year, and we always have a night which is almost like mystery meat. So that that's a that's probably another another uh, discussion for another <laughs> night. Mystery meat on the ski trip. I think you're right. I think you're right. And um, let's cut into the next song. Why are we choosing the Phonics? A great band from Wales, of course. Yeah, no, brilliant band. Um, seen them a number of times. I think you have as well. Um, and I just thought, actually, this is an absolute banger. And it local boy in a photograph. Yeah, you forget with all the records that they've done that they had some absolute worldy tunes in their early days. So let's uh, hear a fine shining example of that you are listening to the greatest sports show on the planet the season ticket in association with inspired to change bristol helping to get your life back on track cracking tunes stereophonics local boy in the photograph and uh yeah just uh just what i'd mentioned is what they were the last band i saw live it was 13 months ago uh, it is now time on the season ticket where myself and Lado will just like do our quick roundup of all the other bits and bobs that are going on in the week on sports. So I'm going to kick things off with boxing and I've got another extra bit as well. We've got a really exciting and lively fight night coming up this evening, uh, which is going to be headlined by Conor Ben versus Samuel Vargas for the WBA Continental Welterweight title. And uh, on the card as well, look out for a potential fight of the night uh, in the women's division. That will come from Shannon Courtney versus Ebony Bridges. The trash talk going into that has been pretty monumental. And if the fight matches that, it is going to be some scrap. Following his win over Alexander Povetkin a fortnight ago, uh, as expected, Dillian White is now going to be aiming for Deontay Wilder for his next clash. Um, He is that desperate to face the bronze bomber. He's even going to give Wilder home advantage in the States. And uh, I'm just going to move on. For those interested in the world of sports entertainment, the biggest event of the year takes place this weekend. WrestleMania will take place on the Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay and will take place over two nights. Uh, Key bouts over the event will see Edge. Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns compete for the SmackDown Heavyweight title, while The Fiend and Randy Orton's long-standing feud comes to an end when they clash at the home of the Super Bowl champions. Also look out for Bobby Lashley versus Glasgow's own Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship. Follow that, Lado. I'm loving that. You can never accuse us of being a mainstream sports show. We like to go wide. Our numbers are racking up. Thanks for WWE. I'll give you that one. Cheers, mate. Well, I'm going to start with power snowboarding, where Britain's James Barnes Miller secured the overall World Cup title in his category after finishing uh, second uh, last week in in the second race and winning the first race. So congratulations to him for winning that title. Moving over to judo, where Lucy Renshaw um, she took says, take a step closer to representing GB at the Tokyo Olympics. She won a first Grand Slam gold medal at, at the, under 63 kg. There's two um, women. Battling for this single sport, Amy Livesey was in the, was in the lead with with a number of points, uh, but Lucy, with Lucy Renshaw's um, victory, that moves her, her ahead. So it's a, a really tight battle to get that spot to go to Tokyo. Um, rowing um, this week, well, the last weekend was was obviously the weekend of the the boat race. I had to mention it, and Cambridge dominated, beating Oxford in both the men's and the women's races, with both races going really really close. So just just just. Short of a length, I think I believe it was, um, but really close. So congratulations to both Cambridge men's and women's teams. 
And uh, moving on to um, athletics, um, Beth Potter, this is an interesting one. She, she's, she's run the second fastest road 5K ever, but it's potentially a world record. Um, now, that doesn't make sense when you leave it like that. Basically, she's running the 5K uh, in a sort of a quite a sort of quiet race in Lancashire Village, um, in uh, Barrowford. Um, she ran a fantastic time, 14 minutes 41. Um, but it could still be classified as a world record because the fastest time was run by Kenya's Jocelyn Jetpost, a guy, excuse my pronunciation, but she recorded that time in a 10K race. So it doesn't stand as a 5K world record. Um, they're looking to see whether they can ratify that as a world record, but it needs to be down to whether they've had all the correct protocols in place um, for it to, to stand uh, as a world record. So watch this space. Um, and congratulations to Beth for running at just a fantastic time. Moving to weightlifting. I mean, Muskie has become the first British weightlifter to claim, claim European gold for 26 years by winning the, this, the women's 71 kg division in Moscow. Um, just a fantastic performance. And great Sarah Davis wins a weightlifting silver at the European Championship. So stunning performance by our weightlifters. And congratulations to them. So I, I, that's not a bad effort. I, I got five sports in there, Lance. So between us, I seven. I don't know what the rest of them are doing, to be honest. Yeah, that's it. Like, you know, we're just like picking up all the sort of odds and sods and we're racking up the numbers in the process. So... Yeah, yeah, covering all these sports. Come on, boys, get with the game. That's it. That's it. Look, look at them. Look at them. They're all sniggering away there. That's it. Um, Lado, uh, school meals again. Um, I guess it's something us uh, you you could have every now and again, being a teacher and all that. But like, are we going to go back yeah. with the memories uh, for your answer? Well, I won't. When I was at school, I didn't have particularly fond memories of my school dinners. But I have to say, shout out to. Um, the, the catering staff at my current school, they are amazing and they look after you. Um, so I get well fed and it's, a, it's an absolute pleasure <laughs> having school dinners there. But my, my abiding memory, which is generally stood across most schools that I've been at or worked at, has been flapjack. But it's got to be really syrupy, sticky, gooey flapjack. I don't want none of that dry stuff. Um, in fact, when I left my first school, I loved it so much. They, they, gave, they gave me my leaving present from the canteen staff was... Uh, and this list of instructions of how to do it with all the ingredients to go off and make my very own flapjack. So yeah, love it. That's amazing. I thought you were going to say you brought the flapjack chef with you, like as part of like a two for one deal. I would have happily done that, honestly, <laughs> to die for it was that flapjack. I love it. I love it. Brilliant. Honestly. Ash gave us an absolute banging tune earlier and we're going to follow it up with another one. What, what, what have you chosen for this one? I've chosen for, uh, for Ash, um, Life on Mars. And the reason being is that catching up on watching all these different Netflix my wife and I've only just watched Life on Mars on, on Netflix. So with that old from things, I think it was the mid 2000s. And we, we realised we'd seen Ashes to Ashes, which is the, the one afterwards. We just finished watching it, but it, it was the last showing of it. We managed to get it in. And as a sort of, well, to celebrate, what, what, what a great programme. We play that great song. It's a good excuse as any. Here it is, Ash, Girl from Mars. You are listening to the greatest sports show on the planet, The Season Ticket, in association with Inspired to Change Bristol, helping to get your life back on track. All the best tunes on The Season Ticket here on Jack's Radio. That was Ash with Girl from Mars. And for those of you that have been playing the Lights Out Let's Go drinking game this morning, Dan, one more time. It's the uh, Lights Out Let's Go F1 uh, show. It's on Jack's Radio between 7 and 8pm on every Wednesday. There we are. We're treating the uh, treating the listeners there. Have another shot. Have another shot or whatever you're having. <laughs> I know it's early days, but, you know, hey, come on. There we go. Okay. Shep, how you doing, mate? You all good? 
Yes, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Have you been enjoying the delights of half-term so far? I have, yeah. One week down. Um, been a busy week. Became an uncle last weekend again for the third time. The Harper Joan entered the world. So my brother's clan is now uh, complete. Two boys and a girl. So... Uh, be up on bricks like most of us on the bench at the moment. So. That's fantastic. Uh, massive congratulations there, Shep. I'm sure I speak for everyone else on the bench uh, when I say, yeah, congratulations on becoming uh, an uncle once again. And um, yeah, so any 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 sort of delights coming up in the second half of the uh, half-term break? Um, no. No? <laughs> that's fair <laughs> enough. We can come back next week and we could talk about them then, but that's all good. Um, Shep, right. Shep, you can, go, you can go shopping, mate. Just think of all the joys you can have there. <laughs> I can't. I'm not taking my two girls out shopping. Goodness me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <hold> that. <laughs> Great stuff. Um, and yeah, so we're going to be talking rugby as ever. Take it away. Let's start, let's start with the internationals because there were some, some, some good games there, wasn't there? There were two good games. Um, similar scorelines. Um, England, 52, Scotland, 10. And uh, Wales, nothing. France, 53. I think what we saw, and, and sadly, is it's the golf. It's a huge golf. We've we've talked about it before on the on the show. Um, professional versus uh, amateur um, setups, and you know Scotland have had some time together in camp, and they've been doing some good stuff. They obviously drew with France um, in the autumn, which was a massive result for them. Um, but I think you know the, the England's class showed they they put them away in the first half. The England's first half performance was was pretty good second half you know, room for improvement I think there was some um, went to TMO quite a bit and there were some injuries slowed the game a little bit and I think that England sort of stepped off the pace a little bit um, you know the, the, the rustiness and a bit, a bit of inaccuracy but actually they you know it was a decent performance Poppy Cleo and her sister Bryony um, pulling on the shirt um, again you know, Bryony's been injured she didn't look like she she suffered any sort of uh, any cobwebs. She was smashing it up. You know, some fantastic performances. Scarrett herself, captain of the team, and 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 you know, kicked really well. And then obviously, as I say, the Wales France game didn't do my uh, Six Nation my uh, women's Six Nations fantasy team any good because I had a few uh, Welsh girls in there. Um, there is a wonderful clip of Eleanor Snowzill, who's the um, Welsh ten, um, throwing a throwing a big dummy and then clearing the ball, but. Uh, other than that, I think that was that was pretty much it for the Wales highlights. I think, I mean, the results went the way we expected with the two dominant sides and with, with the dominant backing. And I, I hope that that backing will come across more nations to make it more competitive. You know, with, with this new format where they're playing, they're going to play through two games, and then the you know the top teams will play the top teams across. It, it's going to build an England France sort of playoff final and as we would probably expect. I like the fact that it's separate to the men's. I like the fact that it's getting more coverage on, on sort of on the media because it's separate to the men's. And I think that could be only be a good thing for, for women's rugby. Um, whereas the, perhaps the imbalance of the results isn't, isn't quite such a good thing. No, and I, I can say the, or like you've said, sorry, that the, the, the profile is, is certainly raised. It's on the BBC, it's on BBC iPlayer and, or on you know, um, regional, uh, regional BBC channels. Um, which will help ultimately grow the game. You know, women's rugby and girls' rugby are still on the rise. Um, so fingers crossed, it can only be a good thing. But like you say, those those the the um, the imbalance in the scores will be something that uh, perhaps the uneducated look at and, and think. You know, Wales obviously are rubbish, um, as are Scotland, but that's not that's not the case at all. 
not absolutely not the case at all. Some some really good players in there, and I think I mean you you can see that in any any form of rugby where you can see ta- teams take a chance. You'll see it in Union. You'll see it in League. Um, also, you know, teams have, have bad days, but there there is a dominance, isn't there? There is a dominance yeah. as as, yeah. as you've talked about before. So, uh, okay, looking forward to the next round of games. Um, should we go on to the Champions Cup and Challenge Cup? Uh, yeah, we'll start on uh, on last Friday night. So the, the yeah. Leinster too long game obviously cancelled, fell foul of the the COVID. So Leinster progress, um, and uh, they uh, they line up against your guys in the in the semi final. Um, Exeter, I think, showed their class on the on the Saturday, fourteen nil down, um, and then clawed their way back. Ironically, uh, Eddie Jones is in attendance. Not sure why, because he doesn't pick any of your boys, does he? So, no, it, it, well, he doesn't. He certainly doesn't. Exeter, it's interesting. What they showed is they showed their experience and the fact they don't panic under pressure. They gave them a 14-point lead. Um, and I, being an Exeter fan, you don't often sit very easy when a lot of their games tend to keep other teams interested. But um, you could see it's the first time that set of players have played together for a very long time because they've all, you know, a lot of them have been called up for, for internationals with other countries, Scotland, you know, Three, three out Scotland, Wales, and, and some England internationals. And I think it took a bit of time for them to sort of get back together again. Um, I, I'm nervous about this weekend against Leinster. I know Leinster rested. I don't know whether that's a good or a bad thing, to be honest. Um, it was a bruising encounter for, for Chiefs and a few players well off, maybe a little bit early where they were sort of carrying little knocks. Um, but I must admit, I'm nervous about the weekend because you, you can never write Leinster off. They are a quality outfit. So, um, I think that would be one hell of a clash. Had had we had the fans at Sandy Park, I think that would have been a real sort of tipping balance. But without them, we, we, we will see. Um, there were two games that were very similar in terms of the result. You know, Munster um, lost two lot to lose, sorry, um, and uh, my Bears lost to, to Bordeaux. Um, some really good starts for both Munster and for Bristol, um, but faded. And I think. Particularly in the case of Bristol, which is obviously my the team I'm interested in, they show perhaps their their not lack of class, but certainly Exeter haven't been have been the nearly men a lot this season, and but can back it up when rim required. I think Bristol have been the front runners for so long, and actually, you know, it, 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 they proved at the weekend there's still some work to do because they can't go European League, European League, in the same way that uh, that Exeter can. So, uh, you know, I was really surprised it, by Bristol. I was really surprised with Bristol result, but I think maybe if something up there, I think that's uh, um, a couple more years behind. I, I still think they're they've got to be favourites within the Premiership, but I think, uh, as you say, it's backing up and going European League, European League. You know, and maybe that's a lack of experience as a squad, maybe as a setup. But I'm they will well they've had the day in Europe already, and and they will get other opportunities, I'm sure. And then we um, sail um, beat a very poor Scarlet side. You know who who I expected more from. They had seven internationals returning, and I think actually, rather than bolstering the Scarlet squad, actually, you know, watered it down a little bit, and, and they looked out of sorts. Um, so that was, a, you know, and the, that game has been sort of floating around the internet because of the, the Jake Ball um, no card when he absolutely smashes fast the clerk. You know, it's an abs- absolutely ridiculous decision. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. So, with such, you know, they. The, the lines that the referees and, and the bodies have taken with, you know, no contact with the head. And there's been a few people that have been, I say unlucky, because there's certainly been no malice in some some of the hits, but it's been uh, direct contact with the head. Baff, the clerk's got to take it. I'm surprised you, I'm not, 
not sure whether he whether he's injured in the way he went down splits as well. I suppose he was not knocked out and sort of tore his groin or whatever because that, I thought that was horrible. And I think that probably needs looking at again, but they, they probably won't notice him. And then just to wrap up the final three, but so I'm going to trunk two of them together. The game of the weekend by far was Wasp versus Claremont. Um, Wasp, Wasp was so unfortunate. And, the, and the, again, perhaps they've had a few injuries, you know, what with uh, Jack Willis and, and some players perhaps not playing as much as they uh, as they should have done the, in, in, in the Six Nations sort of um, fallow weeks. Um, Claremont always looked like they had something extra. And then with that 20 minutes to go, bring on Morgan Parra, who... who you know, he played like a man possessed for 20 minutes. And actually, if you've got that sort of talent to bring off the bench, well, we, we would be lucky to have talent like that on our bench, I think. But, um, you know, we, uh, he, he came on, bossed, ran the show. And I think that from, from that sort of 20, minute, 20 minutes to go, I think that there was only ever going to be one winner because he was just, he was so influential. He could have given a man of the match on that 20-minute performance. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Ross have been, I mean, Ross have a bit of a wobble recently, haven't they, really? So yeah. that, that should hopefully give them believe that they can compete back in the league again. But yes, um, you can see the look in their faces at the end of that game. But um, Clement, they, they don't want to get to they don't want to get to the semi-finals and the finals. It's just, it's just getting over the last bit for Clement, isn't it? Could it could yeah. it be their year? Could it be their year? Well, they were unlucky last year, weren't they? That, you know, and, and as were Racing, who I'm about to, to go on and talk to, you know, Racing smashed Edinburgh um, and uh, sort of in the week um, where we had the 7th of April, um, which those that know know it's uh, International Dan Carter Day. Um, we uh, um, and you, you know if you follow my Twitter feed, you'll you'll understand that. Um, yeah, they they smashed um, uh, Edinburgh fifty six points to three, and and sort of moving ever so slightly into the Friday night game. Gloucester La Rochelle, Ronan O'Gara, who was at Racing ninety two. Um, you know his pathway you know, you know, via the Crusaders in in New Zealand, then obviously to Racing. And now being the lead coach at um, at uh, La Rochelle, you know he's he's um, he's creating something quite special there. And if there was ever a a, a rugby player that was um, destined to be an international coach, then um, I think that's him. And and he certainly is you know, plotting that route quite carefully. I think there is no rush. But I think the, the the talking point is whether he goes to Munster first and then on to Ireland, or whether he just goes straight into the to the hot seat when uh, perhaps Andy Farrell's time comes to uh, to a head in a few years' time. You can see him in Manchester at some point. I liked his philosophy. I talked about keep keep the ball alive. Uh, yeah. Looking that that was the way they wanted to play it. At wherever they can, keep that ball alive, which which is can only be good for for entertaining rugby. Yeah, he he he's certainly plotting his way there, as you say. Right. So some exciting games for the weekend. With the, with the, they're going straight to the quarterfinals for this weekend. Um, it's going to be some exciting matchups. Um, but what you do see when you look at those games is obviously the number of French teams. And usually this happens after Lions Tour, not before Lions Tour, where the British teams and British players who have been on are so they generally have a dip in the following season, um, certainly in the Six Nations and stuff as well. So uh, but there's certainly some French dominance coming out there um, with just with just Chiefs and Sale and Leinster with five French, te- French teams in there. So um, it's going to be an interesting weekend. It's going to be a very blue weekend, I think, isn't it? But thanks, Shep. That's brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. Thank you for, for all that, that roundup. Great stuff, Shep. And um, I guess you caught the food question earlier on the show. Um, yeah. School meals. Flapjack. Yeah. Flapjack. Or, or just the vat cake, regardless of what, what it is. Vat <laughs> cake or flapjack. Yes. And I, whenever I've done first school tours or... Um, you know, showing parents or prospective students around, I always go to the canteen first. Most important uh, 
most important members of staff, followed by the the site team, and then the admin staff, and then I might pop in and see a few lessons in in play. Hundred percent, hundred percent. There we are. Got another member of the Flapjack Army there, uh, Lado. So <laughs> there we, are. Yeah, we, 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 we used to fight for it, but I never won that because he was too big. So. <laughs> and uh, Shep, you've gone with a cracking tune. We're going way, way back for this one. We're going to the king of rock and roll. We're going to the king. Uh, all shook up because it's only less than two minutes long. And I know we're pressed for time this end of the show. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Cheers, Shep. You are listening to the greatest sports show on the planet, The Season Ticket, in association with Inspired to Change Bristol, helping to get your life back on track. The king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley, we've all shook up here on The Season Ticket, and we're going from the king of rock and roll to the most comprehensive football roundup you'll ever hear on the radio. We're saving the best till last this week. Morgs, good afternoon. How are you doing? Good afternoon, say All good, thanks. And you? Excellent stuff. Yeah, I'm all good, thank you. Um, you've been doing your usual roundup of all things in the footballing world over the last seven days. Where are we going first? Well, I'm going to start with a sad one, Lance, actually, if I might. I'm, I'm going to mention uh, the very sad story about Lee Collins, who, who passed tragically at the age of 32. An unspeakably sad story and made even worse this week by some of the coverage in the media and so on probably summed up best by uh, Simon Thomas, the TV presenter who, as we all, all uh, may know, has had his fair share of tragedy in life. Uh, he put a tweet out during the week. Uh, the news of Lee Collins' death was shocking. How he died is so very sadly less so. Too many men are suffering in silence. Too many afraid to whisper those vulnerable words. I'm not OK. As someone who came close to doing the same, I'm gutted for Lee and his family. Hashtag time for change. And I couldn't have put that any better. And I'm sure I speak on behalf of the bench when we send our condolences and very best wishes uh, to Lee's family and friends. So, uh, yeah, sad one to start. But it's uh, I'm sure Lee would like us to go on and talk about the exciting times in football. And obviously, it's a big, busy time across all major leagues. It's uh, the time of the season when certain parts of the anatomy starts squeaking. And uh, I'm going to touch on the Champions League quarterfinals, but I'm not going to do the full Sky Sports treatment because that's not what I do. All the quarterfinals are nicely poised, some big results, debatable decisions, quality goals, exactly what you want to see in Champions League quarterfinals. But I might touch on them a bit more when we've actually got full results from both legs. But uh, finally poised and lots to look forward to with those. Um, going on to the English Premier League, I'm going to start with West Ham. They seem to be on the march for a Champions League spot. They're into fourth after a, a very impressive performance in a 3-2 win at Wolves going to mention Jesse Lingard who was outstanding and has been uh, amazing for them since he's gone them and just maybe West Ham are shaking up the big four just to uh, that would yeah, readily annoy Chelsea and Tottenham who are currently uh, fifth and sixth I'm sure um, and I'm going to go straight on to Chelsea it was probably the standout result of the uh, last weekend's uh, Premier League results Chelsea two West from which are we in five? Now that ends a 14-game unbeaten run for Chelsea. And here come the stats, folks, which I know you love, Lance. Uh, Sam Allardyce is the first visiting manager to win at Stamford Bridge with three different teams. Anyone going to name those three different teams? Quick quiz, quick quiz. Oh, Bolton. There's one. West Ham. West, West Brom. And the last one, I don't know if anyone said it, was Palace. Newcastle. So oh, Bolton, Palace. Palace, West Brom. So the first visiting manager to win at Stafford Bridge with three different teams. It's Thomas Tuchel's first uh, defeat as Chelsea manager and also Chelsea's joint worst home Premier League defeat in their history. Uh, Callum Robinson scored a brace West Brom and that strangely means that all of his five Premier League goals have come against Chelsea. 
So there we go. Nice little stat wrap from one game there. There was a cracking Yorkshire derby. Leeds 2, Sheffield United 1 last weekend. And that included a Phil Jagielka own goal. Another stat coming, Lance. Here we go. That's the seventh own goal of Jagielka's Premier League career. It makes him the second oldest outfielder to score an own goal in the competition at 38 years and 229 days after Stuart Pearce, who scored an own goal against Man United in January 2001 at the age of 38 years and 20, uh, 252 days. Um, also, only one player has scored more Premier League own goals across their career. Anybody want to come in on that one? Craig Dawson. Not quite. Richard Dunn? Yes, Kev, ah, well in there. See, you're the quiz master for a reason. <laughs> Richard Dunn scored 10 own goals across his career with uh, Man City and Villa, etc. Great so, start, uh, Morgs. Great start. Um, and Kev, Kev, can I claim a point on the quiz? I thought I'd better chuck some questions in because I seem to be able to answer them. So, uh... <laughs> no, you can't. All right, thanks. I wasn't expecting it, but there we go. I thought I'd try my luck. So uh, moving into the EFL, and as ever, it's all going off in the championship. Uh, Norwich are on the brink of a Premier League return. They thumped Huddersfield 7-0 midweek, and they're cantering their way to the title, it seems. It wasn't such a good week for the Welsh sides. Uh, Swansea lost to a late own goal against Preston last weekend, and that continued their recent stuttering form. Uh, Cardiff, I mentioned a few weeks ago on the show, they've had a, a bid for the playoffs, but it was dented by an unexpected 5-0 tonking by the bottom club Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, Barnsley seemed to be hitting form at the right time, and I'm going to set Lowy here, I'm afraid, but they uh, Barnsley beat Luton 2-1 last weekend, and second place Watford were held by Middlesbrough after a late equaliser. Um, down the bottom, there were important wins for Coventry and Wickham in their bid to beat the drop. So, as I've mentioned, never a dull moment in the Championship, and it's certainly all going off around uh, this important time of the season. Uh, really tough div- division to call, as always. Dropping down into League Two, there was some history made at Harrogate, um, as well as Port Vale becoming the side that's beaten all the other league sides, as Lance mentioned and Nick the tweet from me earlier. Um, Sorry, Morgs. Rebe- that's all right. Well, I'm, I'm getting over it, as you can probably tell. Uh, Rebecca Welch became the first woman to referee an EFL match where she took charge of Port Vale's 2-0 win. Um, they, she was praised by both managers after her performance, who highlighted her as very good indeed and making a very good start. So hopefully that's a, it's a really important milestone for football and women in, in men's football in particular. Hopefully it's the start of, uh, of different times and many successful such careers and opportunities. So, and, so that's great to see sort of on the official side of things and then moving into the women's super league uh it's a real ding dong at the top chelsea maintained their two-point lead at the top with a thumping 6-0 win over birmingham uh, man city kept in touch with them with a 3-0 win at tottenham which was their 11th consecutive uh women's super league victory arsenal moved up to third after beating bristol city 4-0 and there was a promotion uh, confirmed for leicester city women they secured promotion to next season's wsl after a 2-0 victory over london city lionesses which confirmed Confirmed the Foxes as winners of the FA Women's Championship with two games to spare. So congratulations to them. And I'm sure we all look forward to seeing them in the uh, Women's Super League next season. Going to do a quick blast across Europe. I'm not going to cover the Champions League in detail, as I've mentioned, because that's not the way I like to do things. what we're going to look at is some interesting events in La Liga. And again, another disappointing one. Um, you may have seen in the news in the week uh, that Valencia's game at Cadiz was temporarily halted. Valencia walked off in protest after one of their players 
suffered racist abuse. Uh, this occurred after Valencia's Mukhtar Diakabi collided with Cadiz's one colour as Cadiz played a free kick into the box. Uh, Diakabi was clearly furious. It was a verbal exchange as he held back by his teammates who then walked off with him. They stayed off the pitch for about 20 minutes um, before returning. Obviously, that created a, a, bit, a bit of a scene. Um, Cadiz went on to win the game, but Diakabi was replaced by his manager and Carla was actually um, substituted at half-time. So, obviously, a nasty incident there and another unfortunate incident of racism. Um, it seems to have continued, actually, as well. Valencia offered their complete backing to their player and Cadiz pledged to investigate it fully. But actually, after those subsequent statements and reports... Um, the Cadiz player seemingly has offered sort of no apology, no acceptance. He did anything wrong. Is, is saying it didn't happen, um, and Valencia have basically said they don't believe him, and they're pursuing legal action. And um, I noticed as well that he's since been charged by the Spanish Football Federation. So. I'm going to watch that one closely because I just wonder whether this could be maybe, and I would hope, a tipping point in how these unfortunate increasing issues that are dealt with. And it, it you know, might be one that tips the balance, hopefully, and hopefully maybe a bit of a landmark case coming up there. Um, but on to more positive news on the field. Um, Real Madrid and Barcelona both had important home wins last weekend, and they're really ramping up the pressure on Atletico Madrid, who are top. Sevilla beat Atletico Madrid 1-0 last Sunday, which gave uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid a lifeline in the title chase. Madrid went on to beat Ibar 2-0 and Barcelona scored a 90th minute winner to defeat Real Valladolid which was their sixth win on the bounce and they're now just a point behind Atletico. So currently at the top of La Liga you've got Atletico Madrid on 66 points, Barcelona on 65 and Real Madrid on 63 as we go into the uh, the squeaky time of the season. I was going to say, earlier on Barcelona were being completely written off weren't they? This was all gone wrong and you know all the change of players and Messi's leaving and they've had a hell of a run. Yeah, absolutely, Lado. And you know, and, and we talked a few weeks back. Yeah, you know, Madrid was seemingly coasting and yeah, you know, well clear. And uh, it's it's all changed. So we're going to see who stands the pressure now. And uh, you know, it's a interesting times ahead. I'm sure we'll talk about it again in weeks to come. So moving a- across to uh, Italy in Serie A, um, Romelu Lukaku. Remember, he got a slating at Man United. Didn't score enough goals. Didn't bring enough players into play, etc. He scored his 21st Serie A goal of the season in the week to earn Inter Milan a 2-1 win against Sassuolo. Um, he sent them 11 points clear at the top of the table and he became the seventh player in Inter Milan's 113-year history to score 20-plus goals in two consecutive Serie A seasons after notching 23 in his debut campaign last year. So he's not done bad, has he? Um, Inter are 11 points clear of their second-place big rivals, AC Milan, um, with Juventus uh, scrambling another point behind uh, AC Milan as well. So it seems increasingly likely that... uh, Obviously, Juventus won't be defending their title, but it seems increasingly likely that Inter are going to win that title there with Lukaku doing a great job up the top for them. So uh, I think we'll be ticking that league off relatively soon in, in coming shows. Moving across to Germany in a, a, a cracking Champions League tie for Bayern Munich in the week against their PSG. But they actually also had a crucial Bundesliga victory at second place at RB Leipzig. Uh, Leipzig last Saturday, which opened up a seven-point lead for them at the top. They're edging closer to a ninth straight uh, league title. Um, but basically, no team has lost that title after leading by seven points after 27 match days and with seven games remaining. So it looks all tied up in uh, in Germany. Probably a, a bit more interesting is that Eintracht 
Frankfurt, they beat Borussia Dortmund 2-1 last weekend to actually lift themselves into fourth place. They're on 50 points and they've actually opened up a seven-point gap ahead of Dortmund in fifth. So it's looking like at the moment Frankfurt might pip Dortmund to next season's Champion Leagues, which is a would be a bit of a shock. So loads going on across Europe. And the final one I want to touch on in the European leagues is uh, is in Ligue 1 in France, where Neymar was sent off on his return from injury. PSG got beat 1-0 at home to Lille, who actually have moved three points clear of PSG at the top of League 1. So PSG actually have now lost their last three home games and they've given Monaco and Lille a real chance of sort of dethroning them as champions. So despite a positive Champions League result in the week for them, obviously it's not going so well in the domestic league, which is a, I'm sure they are won't be pleased with and a couple of final ones from me um the carabao cup final that's coming up on april the 25th uh, man city v spurs there's reports come out this week that they're aiming to allow up to eight thousand fans into that that game as it's going to be one of the test events before the full return of fans to stadiums uh, tickets are going to be made available to supporters from both sides as well as local residents in the wembley area and also nhs workers so we haven't got all the details yet, but um, there's also talk that the FA Cup semi-final, Southampton versus Leicester at Wembley on April the 18th, plus the FA Cup final at Wembley on May the 15th, will also be used as test events. So uh, I know we've all missed being able to attend sporting events, so uh, fingers crossed we'll get some uh, fans back into football games soon with those sort of showpiece games being big target test events. And uh, there's actually talk of uh, around 21,000 scheduled to be in attendance for the FA Cup final if all goes well. So, you know, I'm sure we're all big sports fans. I'm sure we all hope that we can return to see our respective sports very soon. So fingers crossed those events go well and uh, fans can get back into football sooner rather than later. And the, the final one from me this afternoon is something we've talked about a lot on the bench in previous shows, um, concussion protocols. Now, Last week, uh, the PFA reiterated their call for the introduction of temporary concussion substitutes, which we know already in place in a lot of different sports. Um, and this came after Sheffield United defender George Baldock suffered a head injury in the game at Leeds United. Now, he came off worse following a first-half challenge on Leeds' Tyler Roberts. Um, the unusual bit in the, in the current football protocols, he was treated on the pitch and on the touchline as concussion checks were, uh, checks were made. He was sent back into play, but then had to be replaced five minutes later on the stroke of half time. Um, the interim Blades manager, Paul Heckingbottom, insisted that the club had followed current concussion procedures. Um, but he said George was a concussion substitution. He went through the test and appeared fine, but then reported some blurred vision. So we had to bring him off. Now, there's been lots of talk about this with, um, you know, head injuries and dementia in football and so on. But the PFA basically have gone back and said, look, this just reinforces the necessity of these temporary substitutes to supplement um, permanent replacements for head injuries. So they've said that temporary replacements would give additional assessment time. They'd allow independent medical teams to conduct assessments appropriately and in the right environment. Um, temporary substitutes would mean that a match can restart with neither side numerically disadvantaged, reducing pressure on players and medical teams to make those quick decisions. So just a, a bit of history on this. In December 2020, the uh, International Football Board announced a trial to... Um, to introduce permanent concussion substitutes. There was quite a low take-up across the world, but actually the Premier League, the FA and the Women's Super League are all taking part. Um, but the PFA have welcomed this, but they've called on the uh, the international board to add temporary concussion substitutes. Um, there's been lots of talk around this. Um, leading brain injury charity Hebway 
have described the existing rules as deeply flawed. And a couple of big sort of um, standout comments, I suppose, were Alan Shearer um, was very critical of the Baldock treatment in particular. He said, I look at it and think, when is football going to learn? He's been allowed back onto the football pitch for five minutes, then clearly he's not right and they take him off again. What is football waiting for? Why is it still allowing this? And that's kind of been reinforced again by Chris Sutton, who, as we may know, lost his dad to dementia last year. He believes that um, a lot of that was was caused by his dad being a player and heading those old heavy footballs. So he's another one that's added his voice again to much stronger protocols and support. Um, I talked last week about sort of comparing procedures in football and rugby, and I'm going to do the same again. The current football protocol seems to be a very brief medical assessment by the team's own staff. So obviously there you get the the potential for bias and flawed decisions and pressure on the, the team there. Um, so it does really call the protocols into question, I would say. I mean, I know, Lado, perhaps in, in rugby, you talk about, you know, the players go off, you have the temporary substitution, it's 10-minute independent assessment for HIA, isn't it? So it, it yeah, seems it, that it, football's it, behind it, the curve again. I mean, it wasn't always rugby. They had the same, they used to be the, the own team doctor, and then they changed that because they were making wrong decisions. It was clear from Bold that he was never in any state to go back on that pitch. I was clearly just watching the highlights. Yeah. Um, and so clearly he was rushed back on. It was, it was dreadfully old school. Yeah, you'll be right, carry on. He clearly wasn't. Um, yeah. So yeah, football does need to take a leap. I mean, rugby hasn't got it all right, certainly not. Um, but I think they've learned the lesson. You need an independent dodge. And actually, sometimes they step into the fray and put a player off to make the decision rather yeah. than wait for something to happen. They can see, you can see it was staggering. He looked, he looked all over the shop. So um, got to learn quickly from it because it's not just the heavy balls that they talk about the speed of the, these lighter balls they go so much faster they actually cause more damage because they are moving at such such speeds now so um yeah, yeah they do need to do something about it and, and, and quickly Rolf, yeah, that's absolutely brilliant uh where, where where in the world do you get a roundup of football leagues like that that's absolutely top job Rolf. so i actually love that i love that it's brilliant top stuff mate and just to round things off i'm going to give you a question before the big quiz school meals memories Favourite yeah, stuff. I'm another one of those teachers on the bench, Lance. So currently my, my school dinners involve normally eating me sandwiches in the drive home after work. But uh, <laughs> but going back to my school days, I didn't have school dinners very often. But when I did, it was a real treat to have a big plate of chips with lashings of vinegar and a, a pudding of baked quo tart with lashings of custard. Sorry, Ash. But uh, I'm going to show me age. That was all for the princely sum of about 70 pence in total. So uh, wow. there we go quality i'm gonna to go to your tune at the very end of the show uh, but for now i'm gonna hand the reins over to kev who has got his quiz wait for it kev and now it's your favorite part of the week it's quiz time on the season ticket there we go. Kev, all yours. I'm amazed, amazed we got time for that. <laughs> We've always got time for the jingle, mate. It's all good. Let's keep it sweet and quiet. Eh? <laughs> Number one. Who Chet was known Bernard as C. the Royal Pindy Express? Chet Bernard C. Chet. Benison. Incorrect. <laughs> You'll lose a point every time you just shout Benetton at every hour. <laughs> oh, I'm stuffed Start then. I'm right. stuffed. Chef's the first person to have to have minus points already. <laughs> right, next question. Nobody got that one. Rugby Union, former Harlequins head coach Paul Gustard is now defence coach Chef at which Benham club? Chef, Benham on C. Sale. Incorrect. Lalo Taunton. Lalo Taunton. Saracens. Incorrect. Morgs uh, Pompey. Uh, Morgs Pompey. Leicester Tigers. Incorrect. We'll move on. Nobody's got anything yet. Question Chef, three. 
Who is the <laughs> oldest player to have won a World Cup final? This is football. Morgs Pompey. Morgs Pompey. Dino's off. Dino's off is correct. Oh, yeah. Come on. Went in. Motorsport. Which country's Grand Prix takes place at the Marina Bay Street Circuit? Dan Potter's head. Sounds like a very resigned <laughs> Singapore. Correct. Uh, athletics. How many throwing events feature in the Summer Olympic Track and Field Arena? Chef, I want to see. Chef, I want to see. Three. Incorrect. Maddo Taunton. Four. Four is correct. Uh, winter sports. How many people are there in a curling team? Morgs Pompey. Done. Morgs Pompey. Five. Incorrect. Taunton. Four. Four is correct. Lado takes the lead. Boxing. Who was undisputed middleweight champion of the world from 1980 to 1987? Morgs Pompey. Morgs Pompey. Marvin Hagler. Marvelous Marvin Hagler is correct. Uh, going into the final question with Morgs and Lado tied on two. Uh, Basketball. In which city are the Golden State Warriors based? Jet Burnham on Sea. Ash Walton. Ash Walton. Not Benetton, is it? San Francisco. San Francisco is correct. So we have Morgs and Lado both on two. So we've got the tiebreak question. Uh, Stephen Hendry returned to World Championship qualifying this week, beating Jimmy White. What is their combined age? After you, Lado. Okay, I bet I, it's time I went first on this one. So, uh, a combined age is 95. Morgs, higher or lower? I'm going to go lower. Lado wins again. Oh, their combined oh. age is 110, 58 and 52. Wow. Paul Gustard is now defence coach at Benetton. <laughs> the Royal Bundy Express is Shaib Akhtar I'd say you were marginally better than last week but not uh, Kev like we, we can't you know we can't script the answers or the way they're answered Kev, or anything you script one Kev, of them every week right, well yeah right, true Kev, Kev <laughs> I, I think you should do the quiz Kev I'll, I'll do it next week and I'll, I'll give everyone else a chance and then Kev you can, uh, you can join in mate okay. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff. Kev, fantastic. Chris, to round things off as always, uh, lads, we've covered a massive 15 sports, or I guess 14 plus one, uh, you know, one caveat there. Cheers, WrestleMania yeah. this weekend, lads. Um, <laughs> brilliant stuff as always. Amazing. Uh, this was the season ticket on Jack's radio. They've been the bench. You know what I do? Say bye, bench. I've been LC and you can listen to Lights Out. Let's go on Jack's radio every Wednesday from 7pm featuring Mr. Wednesday night. Stay safe wherever you are listening. Playing us out with Chelsea Dagger. Here's Morg's choice. It's Chelsea. Yeah, it's the Fratelli's even. (laughs) Where were the Germans? But frankly, who cares? You are listening to the greatest sports show on the planet, The Season Ticket, in association with Inspired to Change Bristol, helping to get your life back on track. You're listening to Jack's Radio. Jack's Radio.